0: Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, camper vans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by ThatLeisureShop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome
1: Matt. And here we are again. It's 2023 and we are ready and raring to go. And what a year it's going to be, Matt. It's going to be exciting. It's good to see you. The last couple of episodes, you've not actually been here. No, I was banned. (laughs) In fact, I think I was replaced with a dog. (laughs) You were Reggie. Bless him. Okay, uh, today we're going to dive in with something that has actually been very popular uh, with you in past podcasts wild camping. Mm. Yes, now uh, we're going to clarify a couple of things uh, for you just in case there's any doubts in your mind. Let's start at the beginning, shall we Matt? Uh, Wild camping doesn't really affect motorhomers and caravanners that much but there has been a recent change uh, in the law, hasn't there? Could you just talk about that? Talk us through that?
2: Yeah, sure. So Dartmoor has been in the news, hasn't it, big time? The landowner Alex Darwall, chap who owns quite a lot of Dartmoor, went off to the High Court and managed to pass a rule that overnight staying in a tent is no longer allowed without his permission.
1: Yeah, he went to the High Court to ask for clarification of a 1980s. Uh, Bill, which basically uh, everybody has assumed means that if you're camping in a tent, you have the right to do so without asking permission of the landlord. The High Court's judgment says that actually that's not the case. They've clarified the law and they now say if you're staying on private land, even in a national park such as Dartmoor, you have to ask permission of the landowner. And he's going to get paid as well. Is that a bad thing? If you own some land and you see people using your land for free, what's wrong with that?
2: I suppose not. I mean, he's in the business of making money, isn't he? He's a hedge fund manager. It's contentious, and I suppose the question is what impact does it have for us in our motorhomes? Any? Well, that's why you're here. You're the expert. (laughs) In reality, I don't think it has any impact on us. I mean, unless you're going to park your motorhome and head off with a tent on your back. So let's just rewind this a little bit and define what is wild camping. It, of course, isn't heading off in your motorhome and parking up. Wild camping is arriving an hour after sundown with a tent on your back, either on foot or on horseback, and then leaving an hour before sunrise, having left no trace whatsoever that you were ever there. And having no impact at all on the land. That is the definition of wild camping as I understand it. Turning up in your motorhome and parking up, you're not setting up an encampment, so you're not getting any tables and chairs out, you're not putting your awning out, you're literally just parking and sleeping is not wild camping. All right? It, it's a term that gets adopted by us. Motor homers, that we want a wild camp. And it's particularly been adopted by people who are new to the niche, so people who've only just bought one or are hiring one for the first time. My favourite analogy was a comment on social, and we have had thousands of comments on social. Thank you if you've made a constructive one. But Ian Findlay commented, wild camping in a motorhome, is that like wild swimming in your bath? <laughs> <laughs> And that has to kind of define it, really. It's hardly wild, is it, with your fridge and your hob and your heating and your hot water. We understand what we mean by the term wild camping in a motorhome. And it often gets used, the, the term often is, is parking up or wild park ups. In the States, they call it boondocking. I don't know where that comes from. The well, boondocks? The boondocks.
1: Yeah, the boondocks like the, the, uh, the outer, outer suburbs? Is that what it means? Yeah, I think it does.
2: I didn't know that. Well, there we are. So boondocking is what it's called in the States, and it's a very accepted practice. But people feel that they have a right to park up on a piece of land in their motorhome or campervan and spend the night there. And that's where it gets very contentious.
1: Yeah, but it's not just this High Court clarification of this particular law. Uh, other laws have been introduced in the last year which actually do prevent you from just uh, stopping on private land. You have to now ask the permission of the landowner. And as I understand it, it's now criminal law if you don't do that. Whereas before it was civil, Correct. landowner could take you to court, probably wouldn't, probably come along and bash on the door and wake you up early just to make the point. Now they can call the police. And of course, with criminal law, the decision to prosecute comes through The CPS, the Criminal Prosecution Service.
2: Correct. And in 2022, the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Act was passed. And so it means it's become law. The Act creates a new criminal offence of residing with a vehicle on land without permission. The new offence will be committed when someone causes significant damage, disruption or distress. Whether a set of circumstances is considered significant will be subject of the circumstances presented. So that's a bit onerous, isn't it? But if you leave your barbecue on the ground and you burn a little square in the grass, that could be construed as significant. That will be for the courts to clarify and well, decide
1: absolutely. if anybody ever gets uh, taken to court. You know, it's worth saying, isn't it, that the laws have changed. They have been yes. clarified. And you know us sitting there and saying, it's my right, I can do this, actually you haven't got as many rights as you did last
2: year. No, that's right. And the Act goes on to say the statutory guidance states, this was a letter that we saw online from the National Police Chiefs Council, the statutory guidance states, the unauthorised encampments provisions are not targeted at rough sleepers nor at those looking to access the countryside for leisure, such as ramblers and other groups. The provisions will apply to anyone who refuses to leave land and causes harm, meeting the conditions of the powers within this guidance.
1: That's all very well, but there's a lot of interpretation there. If I can put yeah. my, my journalist's hat on, actually that room for interpretation could incl- include motorhomers,
2: couldn't it? It absolutely could, yeah. And it's also worth noting that the police have been given powers to uh, take possession of that vehicle, seize it on the spot. If you were falling foul of this new law, and it is law, it's not, you know, it's not a case of being asked to move on and then it becomes a trespass civil offence, this is law at the get-go. If it's deemed that you're foul of this law, the police could then seize your motorhome.
1: And that would be a very bad day, wouldn't it? So uh, if, if you want to look it up yourself, I suggest you do. What we've done is, you know, we've skirted over some uh, of uh, these new laws. Can't give you too much detail without sounding very boring. And we, we, don't, <laughs> we don't want to, to do that. But you do need to know that if you are in inverted commas, and I stress that, wild camping, whoever's land you're on, you have to have asked them permission. And it's no good saying I didn't know. You know, one thing I do know about the law is ignorance is no defence in criminal
2: law. No, absolutely. And the risk is here, and this is what we're going to talk about really, is you only need a case in law where this is applied and you get, you know, a, a kind of angry landowner that wants to pursue this Calls the police and the vehicle is seized by the police, and you know that's potentially changes the landscape for us, doesn't it? People often say, as "Well, we, well, what about the right to roam?" Well, of course, that exists in Scotland. Is that's part of the Land Reform Act, and that. Everyone has a right to be on the land for recreational purposes, but it does not include motorised vehicles. People overlook this all the time. It doesn't include you in your motorhome. It's you on foot or Mm. horseback. And remember, all land is owned, you know, everywhere. Even if it's by the council uh, or, you know, a trust, it is owned and you need their permission to be on it. The reality is, of course, you, you could park up somewhere very beautiful and keep yourself to yourself Is anyone going to stop you or confront you? Probably not.
1: I mean, in this country we do, you know, have uh, a love affair with signs, don't we? So make sure you read yeah. any signs that are there or there thereabouts. I doubt whether you know, these laws are going to affect people who stop for half a day and brew up, uh, you know, and uh, let the kids run around uh, for a little while and then drive off. Just quickly saying about the right to roam. This doesn't mm. affect your, your 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 right to roam in England either. If you use the footpaths, um, that the whole right to roam campaign in the late 19 19- 1950s and early 1960s established that you can cross private land providing uh, you stick to the footpaths and that none of that changes so if you, wherever you've parked in your motorhome, if you're having a great day out or cycling none of that has changed at all the one thing that got me about this Dartmoor ruling uh, was uh, a week or two after it, 3,000 people turned up on Dartmoor to protest against it and that shows huge strength of feeling, doesn't
2: it? It was a remarkable Turnout wasn't it? I mean, three thousand plus people is is a significant campaign, isn't it?
1: It is, and in such a short space of time. And as I say, that shows the strength of feeling. What we've done for you here at the Motorhome Map Podcast is contact the Labour Party, because just uh, a couple of weeks ago they said if they get into government at the next general election, they are proposing a bill to go through Parliament to actually make wild camping in English national parks. Remember, in Scotland and Wales, these are devolved powers that so any law would only apply to England. Uh, but they are going to formulate a bill, they say, uh, which would allow wild camping without permission in English national parks. And Dartmoor, of course, is one of them. And I know it sounds complicated, but it's an English national park, but you have private landowners within it. That's the way it's structured. We've reached out to uh, Jim McMahon, uh, the shadow minister who's in charge of all these things at the Labour Party. Uh, they haven't got back to us, but as soon as they do... We we will have them on the podcast to explain what their intentions are if they get into power.
2: Yeah, so if you're listening, Jim, we would love to hear from you and get your comment on this, because that's a game changer, isn't it? Uh, that transforms this whole philosophy of our civil liberty and ability to wild camp. Whilst this, I don't think this has a direct impact, That the Dartmoor ruling on motor homers, is this a step change where a law can be enacted that means... It will have an impact on our civil liberty. Are our rights going to be taken away as we you know, move into this next decade?
1: Well, we um, elect MPs and they change the laws. You know, that's why we elect them. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it, it's affecting our civil liberties. I think that's a bit strong, to be is honest it? with you, Matt. Don't you think so? But I mean, is- asking permission of a landlord or maybe paying a small fee if you want to camp overnight... Uh, is, is that an infringement of civil liberties, or, or was the previous law infringing the civil liberties of the person who owns the land?
2: Well, there we are. There's Yeah, there's the landowner's point of view as well, isn't there? But it's interesting because the number of people that are living in vans has – I don't know what the statistics are, and I don't even know if the statistics have, have been captured, but certainly the number of people that are living mobile – Let's call it that. In a in a motorhome or camper van, they're not in any homeless statistic, that's for sure. But they don't necessarily live in or even own bricks and mortar. Has increased significantly in the last few years. People are choosing to do it, and you know it's a fantastic lifestyle. I've spoken to people who are very anti this group who make that lifestyle choice, they don't pay council tax, and this is what you hear, Um, they might pay income tax. Do they even have any income? And it's always interesting for me when you talk to someone who's you know, got a view of someone living in a van, there's this perception, and often misconception, that they have no money. And that's why they're living in a van. They're probably wealthier than you and me, Well, they probably had lots of money before they bought the van. <laughs> well, yeah, the van cost them 100k <laughs> now. <laughs> but there's the perception that you know, they're, they're poor in some way. But of course, that isn't true. I mean, for some people, that's a lifestyle that they have no choice to pursue because they can't afford to rent, and a van is a is a more affordable alternative. But that isn't always the case. Uh, I've got plenty of friends who live in you know on wheels in a motorhome, and they're not poor. In fact, quite the opposite. You know, they have a great lifestyle. Um, it's just a lifestyle choice. Yeah, why not?
1: And of course, a lot of uh, the younger generations you know, have gone into van life, haven't they? There's a, you know, the, yeah. the, the 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 demographics. Uh, uh, related to uh, people living out of vans, it does show that they tend to be on the younger side, doesn't
2: they it? They do, yeah. But we interviewed, didn't we, the couple who are living in retirement in their motorhome, sold their house. They no longer own a house. And they are in Spain touring. They're in year two now. We, I caught up with them just a, a few weeks ago. They came back to the UK and we met up and we serviced the motorhome and they're off again. And they'll be away for another year. Uh, and And that's just a lifestyle choice for them. Good yeah. luck to him as well as why I say good luck to him.
1: <laughs> uh, and also we must make a point that you know, motorhoming, caravanning, van life has all become uh, much more popular. There are many more people doing it. So when, when others say, oh, I noticed there's more rubbish around or uh, there's more people parked up or I couldn't see the sea because there was five uh, motorhomes parked up
2: uh, in front of me the percentage hasn't increased but the, the overall number of people doing yes. it has therefore the overall number of people are doing it wrong has increased and this is something that i think we need to be very mindful of it's the minority that spoil it for the majority that's often the case isn't it it's a few who will be disrespectful where we live on the mendips there's a, a road called burrington Coombe. and not far away is cheddar gorge and Cheddar Gorge had a problem, which was the car scene. Mostly younger lads in lowered cars that they've spent a fortune on would visit Cheddar Gorge and meet up. It involved donutting. That's not that's nothing to do with food, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so it involved skidding about and racing. And they, some were using it as a racetrack. And it was perceived by the locals as a problem. In fact, during lockdown in 2020, the police closed Cheddar Gorge on several occasions the landowner there has taken control. No court ruling, but they've taken control of the problem for them, and they've fitted loads of wire cages full of rocks in every other parking space, meaning you can't drive around the car parks at speed anymore. In fact, you've got to be really, really careful even to park. So they've taken control of this perceived problem for local people and have stopped it happening. Now, that Problem, and I keep calling it that because for some people it was, for others it wasn't. But that's gone somewhere else. Yes, it's m- moved it. it hasn't has moved it. it on. Yeah, and Cheddar Gorge is no longer the place where these guys meet. What's to say? You know, it doesn't necessarily take a court ruling to move what we do on somewhere else. So in Bowrington Coombe, where I live, there's always vans parked up. People are camping overnight. Very, very quietly, innocuously, I have to say. And even in this cold weather, there's still people there in vans. And I know some of them haven't got any heating in them. I feel for them. But it's their choice. I'm assuming they want to be there. They're parked there. And every now and again, I drive by and there's a number of vehicles parked up. And in the morning, black bags of rubbish. Now, who's to say it was them? I don't know if it was. it. Maybe it wasn't. But rubbish and litter has been left. And it makes me so cross... When I see that, in fact, I've been there and picked it up in the past and there's a group of us local people that will litter pick through these areas because we hate seeing all this mess. But it's that scenario that could be perceived as a problem and that's when people take control of that. And that coom that I refer to is owned, it's privately owned, Sir David Wills owns it. What's to say that he doesn't do an Alex Darwin go to the High Court and outlaw overnight camping anywhere, and parking up at all, or even put bollards in so you can't do it. Uh, so, and that's the risk. That's the risk. And for me, what this Dartmoor ruling has highlighted is that a, a pastime we love. So for for people loving wild camping in a tent has been taken away. You know, potentially they cannot do it anymore.
1: Not necessarily taken away. You've just got to ask the landowner's permission. Okay. And if he, he or she wants to make a charge, they can.
2: But how do you do that in reality? How do you do that? How do you find out who owns the land if they don't live there? You can't knock on their door. That's well, not straightforward, is let, it? Let's hope they put a, a, a good
1: internet site up. And, you know, so you can go on there and uh, put your name and address and, and pay
2: a small fee. And then when you turn up, there's no problem. But that, that, this, that's not freedom, Keith. The whole thing is about freedom. The fact that we've got this sense of freedom that we can just, wow, this is beautiful. Let's park here. And we're really loving the view. And it's, you know, let's stop here tonight. What you're saying is we've got to go on the internet and. That's rubbish. That's your freedom. What about the freedom of the landowner? Well, and there's the point. And my concern is if folk mess this up and abuse it, the risk is it will be taken away.
1: Okay. So let's just clarify lay-by parking because that's in the back of your mind. I can tell. Um, (laughs) You're not allowed to sleep by the side of the road if you're in a motorhome or a caravan or even in your car. But you say lorry drivers do it. Now, my father-in-law... Uh, God rest his soul, uh, used to be one of the brothers who owned Broad's Transport here in Plymouth, now Ferguson's. The law uh, which stops them driving and, uh, when tired is very strict. They have a, a device, as you probably know, called a tachograph, yeah. which allows them to drive for certain periods of time. And then they are legally obliged to stop and rest. Lorry drivers can stop and sleep for 9 to 11 hours in a lay-by, but they can't drive over their hours on the tachograph or they lose their licence. So the law is different for them than it is for you, but there are good safety reasons for it.
2: There are. I mean, you're not allowed to cause an obstruction... I think, you know, common sense prevails. In reality, if you park in a lay-by and you sleep in your motorhome and you haven't set up an encampment, so this is key, you haven't got your awning out, your table and chairs out, and you've not got the kadak barbecue out, who you've literally just parked, you've drawn the blinds and you've gone for a sleep in the back, are, is anyone going to challenge you? If you're not causing an obstruction, you're not making a mess, you've not you're not doing anything that's going to impact really anybody the chances are you're not going to get stopped. But that lay-by is owned. So you should only be there with the the landowner's permission. This is the point, isn't it? And if there's no sign saying no overnight stopping, then with the landowner's permission, you can. And that's the key. Is the landowner ever going to find out or know that you did it? Probably not. Uh, And are they even going to care that you're doing it? Probably not. But you leave a bag of rubbish behind or just litter or empty a toilet under a tree they're going to have an opinion they are going to find out yeah, and the, there's no excuse for that sort of behavior is there? of course it? not and yeah. and this is my concern and you know certainly in Scotland you know post lockdown there are so many reports of people are getting this wrong and abusing it uh, and it became very vitriolic for many locals uh, for lots of reasons so my plea is if you're going to do this try and keep the right side of the rules and the laws so get permission if you can but that is so hard to do but just be sensible be respectful and as we always say leave no trace
1: one of the things I love about France, uh, I don't know if you've noticed when you're driving along, the huge litter nets that they have by the side of the road. Have you ever, you ever ca- seen yeah. them? So you can actually slow your car down and just and throw, throw your it. litter out the window. But also they're useful for people who you know, are stopping uh, motorhoming uh, or need to get rid of, say, a bag of rubbish because you know, they're big, huge li- litter nets. I could never understand why we didn't do that in this country. No.
2: Well, why do we not do lots of things in this country? I mean, you know, we're talking on the continent, they have something called airs, which are these kind of wild camping-type car parks where you can park up often for free, increasingly not. There's a nominal charge. They're often municipal-owned, so county council-owned, uh, and you can park there for not a lot of money, uh, and there are facilities there, so you can empty your toilet, you can empty your water, and you can top up your water. And we're starting to see airs appear in the UK, uh, and there's a big campaign. In fact, we've heard from Donald, from Cam. The campaign for real airs, and we'll hear from him in a minute on this topic of wild camping. Uh, in fact, we heard from a number of people uh, who've contributed to the episode, and thank you all, guys. Our dear friend Cat at Wandering Bird. Cat lives in her motorhome. You may have encountered her YouTube channel, uh, and Cat lives in a motorhome full time. And this was her comment.
0: Hey Matt it's Kat from Wandering Bird. Great question I could debate this for hours. I think that wild parking overnight should be more commonly allowed where you can just pull up get a decent night's sleep and then go on with your journey the next morning. I think there are some spaces that are becoming more aware of this like the National Trust commonly allow it in their car parks and some forestry sites they're also allowing it as well but there are still too few. I don't think everybody is able to or wants to because up a campsite four months in advance or pay upwards of 40 quid for an overnight stopover but we have a lot less space in the UK than there is over elsewhere in Europe and there are so few open spaces that allowing wild camping for a few days not only promotes bad behaviour and irresponsible idiots disposing of their waste badly but also then would ruin these beautiful open spaces that we have got. More Sunny stations and more park-ups would be a great spot but who's going to pay for it?
2: There's the question there. very. Good. Thank you, Cat. Really appreciate your input. 40 quid a night? Where's Cat staying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, well, by the way, um, another plug for Cat and Wandering Bird on YouTube. Uh, really is worth a, a good watch if you haven't already.
2: Yeah, she's got so much to share and so much experience as well of travelling through Europe. So, yeah, definitely a YouTube channel to check out. But she makes a good point. Who is going to pay for it? Well, I just don't think we've wired this up commercially in our heads that a campsite, or a air facility, or whatever it is, brings income to the local economy. Yeah, I'm a big campaigner of taste the destination, and we have a unique ability as kind of mobile tourists to impact the local economies we visit. And why don't councils appreciate this? I don't get it. I mean, the, I think councils have the view that motemers don't spend any money when they visit somewhere. Well, I'm sure that's true for some, but for us, when we go somewhere, we go and spend our money in that local economy and a campsite or air or wild park up facility would encourage us to go there we haven't wired it up in our heads at all
1: you've also been talking to john and tash from life beyond break
2: yeah these guys live in their motorhome uh with their three cats believe it or not (laughs) and i asked them if what was their view on wild camping and john was went first and this is what he had to say
1: my answer would be yes I would love wild camping to be uh, allowed in a motorhome Uh, it is part of the freedom of a motorhome to have that but I can appreciate why it's not allowed and there is
3: an unfortunate situation where there is a small amount of people who do ruin it for everybody else so yeah I can appreciate why these rules are starting to be imposed Yes, I would love it if we could wild camp in a motorhome in the UK. Um, That is part of the beauty of full-time motorhome travel or motorhome travel in general, uh, is obviously being able to sort of immerse yourself in the landscapes. And, you know, there's nothing beats when you you wake up and open the blinds and you just see these stunning views. Um, However, I think for me, even, you know, a big step forward um, would just be to have some sort of air infrastructure similar to what they have um, obviously in a lot of the other European countries because you know they're still in some great locations you know we found in our travels you still have the freedom to not have to plan and you can kind of travel and go to lots of beautiful locations but also have somewhere designated you know that you're allowed to stop so for me even that would be fantastic.
1: So that's John and Tash from Life Beyond Bricks. Thank you, guys. Matt, uh, good contributions from them. Yeah, and again,
2: airs came up again. They did. Airs do come up, and of course they do. I mean, they're, if you've ever been to the continent, the, they are fantastic. They are. They're such a great resource, and we've stayed on many. And I have friends who've spent two years living on airs, in, in, you know, and <laughs> before the ninety-day limit came into play. Different podcast, uh, but yeah, people can have entire trips living on an air and. I mentioned earlier the campaign for real airs. This is a campaign in the UK to introduce more of these basic camping facilities where you are legally allowed to park overnight. You're not allowed to get your awning out and all your kit and caboodle Uh, but there's a campaign to persuade and encourage county councils and landowners to create commercially viable spots so an air where people can come and park and sleep overnight in a motorhome and donald is uh, one of the leaders of campra it's a facebook group i would suggest you go and find it and join it
4: hi matt it's donald mcdonald the founder of campra here Uh, The Campaign for Real Heirs. And to answer your question, wild camping, good or bad, I just want to tell you a short story. So back in 2006, I traveled with my family to a static caravan in Tronche-sur-Mer in the Vendee in France, was really impressed by the opportunity to wild camp, people taking the opportunity to wild camp along the beaches, down into La Rochelle as well, really Impacted me, I thought that would be a fantastic thing to do. So in 2017, when I bought my Talbot Express G registration motorhome, we headed off to the Vondy to enjoy the opportunities that I'd seen those years, all those years before. And when we arrived, what did we discover? All the wild camping uh, spaces had all been closed off. There was nothing there apart from airs. It's not a question of wild camping or airs, it's a question of how are we going to be able to go to the places we want to go to and be able to enjoy them with the vehicles that we have and that's where I see airs as a solution.
1: So Donald says how are we going to be able to travel the places we want to go to with the vehicles that we've got. And he says heirs are the solution.
4: They are, yeah.
2: Gosh, imagine that turning up and having a plan of where you're going to stay, and they've all been closed. That must have been horrible, terrible. What do you do next? Exactly, find a campsite, (laughs) I guess. But Donald is leading the campaign. And, in fact, we have a plan to meet up with people from Campra at the Harrogate show in March and we're going to talk about Canberra, what it's all about, what is an air and how can people get involved. So we're very much looking forward to that. So Donald, thank you for your contribution uh, and for your story. Um, I think you're right, airs are definitely a way forward and they're certainly a way of trying to mitigate this risk. It's a risk that really worries me that the minority are going to spoil it for the, for the majority. We see it all the time. And good for the landowners as well
1: because what? they could put air on on their sites, couldn't they?
2: Absolutely. Which is yeah. intrinsically permission to camp and it makes money out of it. I mean that's one of the comments there's been s- thousands of comments on this the previous podcast we did on Wild Camping, and we put a campaign on social media and even TikTok. We're on TikTok now. Mm. Um, TikTok <laughs> went viral on TikTok the other day, talking about Calagash. Well, yeah, well, there we are. Another Go and find it. It was over 100,000 views in <laughs> a few, few days.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My kid said, Dad, you're viral. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a mask. Some of our
1: comments that you've been making, uh, written comments on uh, the website Ask Matt, some people have said, this is money grabbing others have said yeah. you should always leave it like you found it like like you always maintain uh, and then others have said that the few ruin it for the many
2: well that's my fear uh,
1: i think we've covered all those things we have. haven't we in yeah. this in this podcast brian evans in denby says should large motor homes wild camp at beauty
2: spots so it's all, all very well wild camping but l- those big ones should they be allowed in of course they should. Why not? I mean, if, if the space is appropriate, I mean, you were telling us how you were on Exmouth... Staying in a hotel, yeah, and there's a seafront full of motorhomes. Yeah, last
1: um, last year I was uh, we went for a family party in Exmouth, and we stayed in the Premier Inn, which is right on the seafront. We were very lucky uh, to get a room which overlooked it. And one thing I noticed was how the seafront was managed. You you had part of the beach which was for for dog walkers. Uh, you had joggers going up and down, and cyclists. Uh, uh, the traffic wasn't too bad. There wasn't restrictions on parking. For motorhomes. So I saw uh, two motorhomes parked right outside the hotel uh, by the beach, taking up two normal parking spaces, uh, and they stayed all night and nobody was jumping up and down. And I just thought at the time, this just seems like the civilized way of behaving.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that's been taken away that ability to park on the seafront either overnight or at all. And car parks with height restriction that's another menace. <laughs> Yes. Yes.
1: Well, there's lots of reasons for that. Of course. But I mean, the height restriction doesn't do motorhomers and caravan owners any favours, does it?
2: No. And in terms of should large motorhomes, in Brian's specific question, why not? I think if the space allows it and it doesn't cause an issue. And that's the thing. Common sense should prevail. It shouldn't impact anybody, you being there.
1: And finally, uh, at Hagrid the Hymer, that's Binny and Edgy in Cornwall, they say every council in the UK should allow overnight parking for self contained motorhomes, even if it is only five spaces in every council car park. They say, remember, council car parks are bought and paid for with taxpayers' money. That is us. You do say that, but the parking industry is huge they have conventions and councils are all part of it it's a way of raising money these days height barriers and overnight parking bans have no place in car parks paid for by the tax paying public that last sentence height barriers and overnight parking bans have no place in car parks paid for by the tax paying public what about the people who live nearby
2: well absolutely and
1: and, and what you know so you want Large lorries. If there's no height restriction, you want large lorries going in there and staying overnight. I mean, there are ramifications for for this for for these sort of free for alls.
2: Yeah, that's the risk, isn't it? It becomes a free for all, and again, that's going back to an air or creating licensed places where permission is granted specifically for living and sleeping in your motorhome overnight, maybe for two nights, maybe for a few nights. But I think some structure around it would be a very very sensible approach. So we've covered a lot of
1: ground, if you forgive the pun, uh, today. Uh, We might have got something wrong. If we have, then by all means contact us and we will put it right. But we want to hear from you uh, on this, whether it's uh, Dartmoor, uh, whether it's overnight parking, whether it's introducing the air system from France into the UK. Uh, We want to hear from you. How can people get in touch?
2: Very, very easy. Just go to our website, motorhomemap.co.uk, where you will find all the places you can listen and watch the podcast. And while you're typing in the URL, type forward slash ask Matt, And you can contribute via a form or you can record your own contribution. Just tell us your name and where in the country you are. We would love to hear from you.